everyone, to the latest installment of Decisions, Opinions, and Analysis with Jeff Ward, also known as the DOA Podcast. And as we promised you just one scant show ago, we are going to bring you part two of our candidate forum with Aurora mayoral contender, John Leish. But before we do, remember, we'd love to have you as a DOA patron. And all you have to do is go to www.patreon.com slash DOA podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Please sign up. We'd love to have you. And since we've still got a lot of questions for John, why don't we get right to them? Ladies and gentlemen, part two of our interview with Aurora mayoral challenger, John Leish. I've been dying to ask you this question, and you once again mentioned your time on the school board. I asked Judd the same thing, but let me preface this by saying, because most folks don't understand, you know, school boards and city councils must operate independent. Neither has any sway over the other. Uh, For all the obvious political reasons, it would become nightmarish. It might nightmarish. That said, you know, the best situations are where school boards and city administrations work collaboratively. And, and I know my, to be, yeah, my wife is tired of remote learning and one thing, but I am dying to know your thoughts, particularly having served on the East Aurora School Board, as to how you would cooperate with both Aurora school districts to move everything forward. Ooh, I finally mm-hmm. got the question out, John. Yeah. We have four <laughs> school districts. Yes. Well, I was <laughs> right. thinking of East Aurora and, and, and West Aurora. Yes. Primarily. Right. And even and even at a corner 101. So, right. Okay. We, we, we touch a, a broad, but you're There's right. There's two major ones. East West at uh, 204, 129, 131. Is it a, a good, it's not a third, but a big portion is in 204. Um, so coordinating and cooperating, um, we haven't got to talk about something that, that I would have liked to have put on my priority list, which okay. is, well, I only gave you five, but go ahead. Restoring, restoring, um, the, uh, youth services that we offer. So there, there were federal cuts, um, for a lot of the after school programs and then local cuts, uh, under the past administrations, I'll just say that. And um, if you look at crime in our community and you look back to the 1990s when we had these 25, 30 murders a year, one of the things that brought us out of that was community engagement and youth services and giving kids a positive place to go after school. So one of the things that I want to work with school districts, park district, uh, township is trying to open up more doors uh, and, and provide kids with positive mentorship. I'm not sure if this is answering your question with respect to the pandemic. Um, it's two separate, it's yeah. two parts of the same question. So continue with, you're answering yeah. the question. Absolutely. And, and, and so it's um, making sure that, that we have a cooperative partnership so that the school can open their doors and the city provides the the, the funding for the, the mentorship, the person to be there, the adult in the room, the person who has the skill set and, and gives a damn about our kids. Um, you know, that's the kind of relationship that I want. There's an existing relationship on having SRO officers in the, the, where there's police officers in our school. Um, I know East chairs, uh, an officer with some of the middle schools. Uh, you know, I want to, uh, make sure that those people in those roles are there to also provide positive mentorship for our kids. And we have the right person in place for that job. Um, but, and I want to maintain that, that relationship. Um, I've toyed with an idea. So as a kid, I was raised on a mission field and we learned at home. But when I came back to the U.S., 
in sixth grade, I had the reading level of a high school um, senior. And the reason for that, it, reading and math both, is, is one, I was able to independently learn. And two, my parents paid us to read. <laughs> they, they paid a penny a page. <laughs> the so, bribery di- dynamic, but go ahead. Capitalist. For, you grew up in a poor family and, yeah. and you, wanted some, you wanted to buy things. <laughs> So I, I would want to work with them. This very innovative program. We could run a pilot program in, in one or two schools and see. But if the if the districts uh, or the library want to partner with us in a, in a um, pay to read, I want to see us invest in our kids' future and see what kind of impact that has. Um, first, in an experimental way, and you know there has to be cooperation in this regard. Um, another thing, Jeff, I want to look at is safe passages to school. You know, we got the buses, which is good, but there's still places in East and West where kids um, in the middle of winter, like right now, and I know they're, they're remote learning, but right now, um, if, if there's snow on the ground, they're forced to walk in the street. And so the reactive way is to wait until some kid gets hit. The, the proactive way is to uh, make sure that those kids have sidewalks. It's not hard. And that's a city thing, not a, not a school district thing, but, but identifying those areas is, is involves working with the, the schools. Fair enough. And would you, again, I'm pretty biased here. And, and because I've put all, every thought I've ever had out in opinion columns, I that's why I preface things. Would you work to return the, the districts to full-time learning if you are elected? Realizing that you don't have any kind of final say in the matter. Yeah, you don't. And um, I would want to work with, uh, again, the we, we can't predict if there's going to be another surge or not. I think a lot of, at, at this point in the game, teachers are getting vaccinated. Um, staff are getting vaccinated. I know because there's people that are on my campaign who work for the school districts. And My wife has um, been vaccinated through the school okay, district. Okay, good. Yeah. So she's she's ready to go. So I, th- I think it needs to be done in, in a thoughtful way that, that uh, doesn't expose kids who I, I know aren't as vulnerable to the, the virus as... No, seniors. Yeah, you're right. But John. you know, the, the thing is, is if those kids go go to school, get the virus, they're asymptomatic, and they take it home to grandma and grandma dies. That's a, that that to me has been the big thing. There's been a couple motivators. I've I've actually had COVID twice, um, once in March and then once recently. And wow, you're the first person uh, I've heard that's had it twice. I mean, you hear anecdotal yeah. stories on the news, but okay. A lot of health professionals have, have had it. And I didn't test positive, but like you, I, you know, I had the symptoms. It was right around the time in, in March, uh, following mm-hmm. the March, March primary. We're back in October of 2019 for reference yeah. purposes. Yeah. So, um, and, and I knew people got sick back then too, who, you know, did exactly what you did. They, they, they look back and said, huh, I wonder Jeez, if that's I've never was been this sick. You know, <laughs> yeah. what the hell? Am I getting old? Yeah. Well, I am, but okay. But okay. But that's a fair enough answer, Jenna. We're going to so, have to speed up a little bit. Yeah, let's go. Sorry. But no, 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 that's fine. I mean, all right, let's move on to my one of my other favorite topics. Now, John, as you know, I had a radio show up in Elgin. It was Warden Jones. Uh, five years ago and walking through downtown ahead of time, eating at downtown restaurants. Um, and Elgin has, it's their downtown is making a comeback. I, I'm sure COVID has had a negative effect and their homeless issue is problematic. If we have time, we'll get to that. But I, I have seen, you know, particularly having lived in Streamwood uh, from 1992 to 97, I have seen Elgin recover vastly. 
Similarly, I love going to the Paramount. I can't tell you how much I miss it. There, uh, I can't wait for um, Kinky Boots. They keep postponing it, but eventually they'll have it. You got, and so you've got a slew of people being drawn downtown to the Paramount. You've got uh, the theater across the street, who's a Copley Theater maybe, where I saw Second City. I forget what it's called. And, and yet you, you walk through downtown and it's just, it seems deserted. It seems like it's not at all on the upswing. And then, of course, we had the, the, the Floyd riots and um, more downtown businesses were destroyed. I realize I'm throwing a lot out here, but, we're, but we are, uh, we, we are, I can tell you, we are, no, I can't because my, we're at the 40 minute mark and I want to get all the questions in. What would you do John Lesh, as now that I've bombarded you with a Herman Melville-esque question to bring downtown uh, Aurora back. Okay, so one is I want to underscore that I'm also committed to developing other parts of the the city. Uh, The Fifth Ward, um, the the Orchard Corridor would like to see a lot more um, places for for them to patronize. I always encourage them to go to the, the positive things that are happening downtown. Step one is, again, meeting with the business owners, residents of downtown, see what they want to do and what direction they want to go in, um, and working with those businesses um, to to develop it. I've heard a ton of great ideas about how we can promote our downtown, including you know things like having uh, canoe tours and... Uh, oh, interesting. Up and down, yeah, up and down to Fox. <laughs> so, and and um, I think overall... One of the shortfalls during the pandemic and otherwise is I want to see us promote things a little bit better. And that includes keeping our museums open a little bit later and then promoting events around those museums, uh, the GAR, the Fire uh, fire Museum, the SciTech, so forth. Um, I, I continue to work with Aurora Downtown, which I think has done a tremendous job um, with First Fridays and other events that promote our downtown area, uh, continue to foster and develop small small businesses that want to come here, set up shop and make Aurora home and uh, make sure that everybody, not just those who are politically connected, have access to city resources to, to make those things happen. Again, the overall thing, the picture again is, so I talked about this with Mayor Weisner back in the day, is that if we had better paying jobs, people would have more disposable income and they could spend their money in the city. And uh, to me, that is the, the what that 12% poverty rate remains such a, a thorn in our side. Um, and, and having that disposable income is what's going to help businesses thrive. If you look at Naperville, right, they don't have to incentivize. No, uh, and, and, and to, to be fair, because, they, because people are fighting to get in their storefronts and exactly where the rent is. Right? You know, when you go back to George Pradle and the Riverwalk and, and Naperville's done, uh, an amazing amount of, of the right thing, but down, downtowns in general these days, even Geneva, you know, is having to fight to, to, to stay the same. So, but you're right. It would be, I don't think there's, I, I've written in columns. I don't think there's any reason that Aurora's downtown can't be like Naperville's downtown. No reason whatsoever. I look forward to it. I look forward to seeing so, it grow and thrive. Yeah. So, okay, great. Excellent. Let's talk about the homeless situation because uh, Judd and I got into it. I have sat down with uh, James Lucos of the Wayside Cross Ministries at length. Um, one of the columns, I, I broke the story on how Ron Hain, our sheriff, had to take money out of his budget to handle the fact that the city came down on Hesed House during the worst of the mitigations and, and wouldn't offer him any help. Wouldn't, you know, the, the best they could come up with is here, we're going to give you an $800,000 loan and you have to pay us back. Well, at that time, 
COVID funds, nobody knew it was going to happen, whether relief funds would appear or not appear. And, you know, I mean, Hassett House does an amazing job. They had to continue to do it. The sheriff stepped in, uh, spent a great deal of his budget, um, I think $25,000 a month to house the, the 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 least of our brothers and sisters in a Schaumburg hotel. As it turns out, uh, the COVID relief funds did come through. Ron got his money back. Hesed House is going. But um, and maybe that's a bit too much background. And as you mentioned, you know, we're going to have an eviction nightmare coming up. So how would you address this bound to be difficult situation? Well, number one, you mentioned it again, having that proactive approach to go after the resources that were in the COVID, the CARES Act to house homeless people. It's not just uh, Ron Hain. My neighbor serves on the Fox Valley Park District. And when resources came through, uh, that was her first question is, how do I direct this to the homeless problem? Because it's not getting handled. So um, I, I do think, again, having that proactive approach to chase the money would have been earlier. And then secondly, one thing that I've been talking about, and, and this would, of course, you know, we now there's they, they have responded to it. They built more uh, space for people to be. I, I haven't been in there, um, but I one thing I would like to see in other communities are doing that would have been ideal for uh, COVID should we ever have to go through something like this again is having some kind of tiny homes, whether it's uh, surrounding Hesed. Um, but there's a quick, affordable way that we can use both professional skilled labor and volunteer help to build small remote living spaces. Um, of course, they're controversial because people don't want a shantyville in their, in their backyard. But um, I, I look at, because I've also spent some time over at Hesed, and there, there's, it's a combination of problems, right? And now if, if there's an economic collapse, like you just talked about, you're going to have families put with people who have addiction problems and other mental health problems. And, and that's, that's a real concern, right? So what I would have done, and, and if it's not too late, again, working with people at Hesed to try and create some of these remote structures. And then let's say there's not a, a housing crisis uh, to the magnitude that some are predicting or whatever the post pandemic is these could be used as transitional living uh, where people rent them. And as they try to get back on their feet after whatever personal disaster has put them in that position of, of homelessness. And, you know, I have a, a brother who um, uh, is a hundred percent service connected veteran who uh, has lived with me, has lived with my parents. And, um, you know, there's other people out there like that. And, and the difference is, is that people that go to Hesed don't have a family member left that's willing to provide housing for them. So, you know, we need to have a place for those people to go as a, as a society. We say we care about our, our brothers and sisters. So, uh, those are just a few ideas, but it's just like the school board, right? You've got to work with the um, the people there at Hesed and, and um, provide sort of what I, what I call steps out of, out of, um, your situation. And I'm hoping and personally, you know, cause, cause Elgin's got the same concerns. I'm hoping that either through some sort of rent relief or something somehow works out and we don't have this, you know, people thrown on, throw down on that. Ah, we don't have this people thrown out on the street epidemic. The, the next cares bill coming out of Washington, I think has a lot more money for uh, emergency rental assistance. And let's look at, let's look at this crisis versus the, the bank um, meltdown. 
what they did in, in, in 2008, 2009 was shovel all the money at the top. The federal government did right. The big bank bailouts. And 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 so people still lost their homes and suffered what they've done differently this time. And, and I, it, it may be a lessons learned or just different leadership is they've um, they have put money in for unemployment assistance. They've put money in for housing assistance. And if, if that money continues to get shoveled in, yes, the economy might collapse. But but there's still a concern and, and the money's being directed more towards uh, people who are suffering. So yeah, and I don't to think me, that's economy. been a, a, a real big difference that needs to be noticed. Yeah, and, and to be clear, I don't think the economy will collapse. I use the word havoc because we don't know exactly mm-hmm. what's going to happen. But, you know, they're easily it's unpredictable. Pre- yeah, exactly. So there we go. All right. Fair enough. Uh, and we and we briefly touched on James Lucos. That's the Wayside Cross Ministries. I wrote a series of columns about, and then this is when, and the mayor and I would have week long text debates about this, but I was, yeah, yeah, I'm off his Christmas card list at this point, John. But back then we were discussing, I'm like, you know, dude, especially considering that Wayside Cross Ministries helped one of his family members uh, a couple of times. Chasing the sex offenders out, I think, is one of the worst things he ever did. I know the whole Tom Cocorellis, the Ripper crew thing, but I am still at a loss uh, for how Mayor Irvin could put a few rocking horses in a place and force 19 sex offenders to move. What would you have done differently if faced with that, uh, you know, a Ripper crew member um, walking into a, an established ministry? So um, I, I haven't talked to James Lacosa. Maybe Judd has, maybe you have. Uh, I haven't liked, yes. Okay. It's it's one of the things I need to do because I, I he, don't. He, like I will say I, I, there, are, there are not many true men of God. And he, I mean, James is convinced he can convert me. Good luck with that. But but okay. he is a man of God. He walks the walk and talks the talk. I will put that, put that out there because I really respect the man. But, but so go ahead, I, would, John. I want people who... Um, would I want people living in our community without getting rehabilitative services or with rehabilitated services? The answer is with rehabilitated services. It's my understanding that some of these people live in the uh, River Street Hotel now. Um, I don't know if they're getting services. I actually uh, talked to the, the, I don't owner, either. The, the, the River Street Hotel because he did say that a lot of them were moved over there because there's no park or playground. So, you know, to, to me, the key thing is making sure that it's better to have people getting rehabilitative services than that. It, it makes and, no sense. And I also feel my, no my theory was the, the, the Wayside Cross Ministries for folks like that is highly supervised. I was given the tour. I, I mean, they are and successful. Be, they are beyond careful with how they approach anyone with serious issues who enters the program. So I will throw that in there. And 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 um, and and it's my understanding it's a successful program. So to, you want to keep those things in your community, yes. And and the nice thing is to fill in the the backstory. Um, uh, James Luke uh, James credits. Um, his Christian God, uh, every last one of those 19 sex offenders got job and found a residence. So um, in the end, it it did all work out. But but I would still theorize that it would they would all be better off under one roof, supervised by someone who is intent on doing the right thing. So uh, I don't and, understand. And I agree why, with that. Yeah. Okay. I don't understand why Mayor Irvin went this way. This is a pet peeve of mine. I, I I told you before the forum that I would be a little more involved in this part of the discussion. So is there anything you want to touch on, John, that we haven't yet? Um, 
I think that, you know, one one issue that keeps coming up in um, this election that uh, I don't think we've talked about, but keeps coming up is is the whole national post-George Floyd focus on uh, police reforms. And I think it's important that voters understand where I'm at. Um, th- there, there's a contract being discussed right now. And some of the items that, that I'm talking about are being discussed in that contract. I don't know if I'll inherit that contract um, or not. But, um, you know, police residency for new hires is something that's on my list that we want our police officers to be part of our community. And um, I have talked to the union president. There's places where we agree. There's places we disagree. Um, so I'm not talking about moving somebody who currently lives in Yorkville or Batavia into Aurora and, and uprooting their kids' lives. I think that's disruptive and not, not smart. But for new hires, I want them to come from Aurora. And the idea of participating in our community and being part of our community is, I think, a a good thing. And even if it means appropriating several of their, their hours to 10 block parties to um, be engaged in some of the youth service programs that we talked about earlier, I think those are, are useful use of tax dollars to start to rebuild and repair the relationship um, and to change the role where if, if somebody, you know, police officer has a choice, if somebody's making a, a minor decision is in their youth, my, my older brother, TP the high school, right? <laughs> right? right? So there, yeah. he, he can now get a, a criminal record in his youth or um, they can uh, say, look, you know, here's this positive program. You can go play basketball, go play soccer um, and, and, you know, interact if you're having trouble. So I, I think that, that having that uh, the one, the mayor's job is to create those spaces and places and then um, have our officers trained to, to um, be part of the intervention process. So, so there's some things and changes that I, w- I want to see happen. Um, people want to see police held accountable. And, and I agree with that. Um, I wasn't aware of a lot of the situations that um, Aurora has, because I think there was a focus on Kenosha and Joliet. They're a lot worse. But as a candidate, I've, I've heard a lot of stories that have come through my inbox that, to me, um, fall into the category of unprofessional room for improvement. So, um, you know, I will be working with uh, the chief, the union and the community to rebuild the relationship and to change the, the uh, focus on crime to crime prevention instead of uh, simply trying to um, throw people in jail and give them a criminal record uh, early on and and harassment and some of the um, over-policing in minority communities that we have. Fair enough. Go ahead. I'm I'm saying that. I'm not sure if that clearly uh, brings up. No, no, that is something we hadn't touched upon, and I'm glad you did. And Um, now... Final two questions, John Lesh. Uh, the first, what sets you apart from your two opponents? Um, I think that I've been very consistent in the times that I've been in public life about fighting for poor people, working people. And it's not in a liberal way. It's more of a progressive way of empowerment. Um, that when people are standing up to fight for themselves, that I'm there to join them in that, that struggle and that fight. And that 
instead of social programs and welfare programs that what people want is dignity and work and a fair wage and economic opportunity. And there's some things that you can't change from City Hall, like like the NAFTA agreement that uh, changed our local economy dramatically. But as we rebuild our economy, um, I'm going to be very focused on making sure that we're bringing in living wage jobs, uh, better paying jobs, and that if we're funding something from the government level, that more people are going to get those jobs so that money stays in our economy and continues to strengthen our local economy. I think that is something that I've been very consistent about my entire time in, in public life. Um, so I, that's a big difference. Um, I would like to say I, I don't see too many flaws in, in uh, Judd as far as ethics reform goes. I think he's on the right track. I don't know if he's taking any contributions from people doing business with the city or who want it. Cause I just, I haven't looked that closely. At his no, he, he told me, and I don't remember. I don't think he is to be fair. Okay. Well, that's good. And uh, so, so, I mean, um, you know, on the ethics front, uh, but at the, at the leadership front, um, I think that's something I bring to the table that throughout my life, I've uh, gravitated to the top, never been afraid to take the reins. Um, even as a young petty officer in, in the middle East, uh, was able to take the reins of a, a crisis action team and direct the um, uh, resources in the right direction. Um, so a lot of that I can't talk about, of course, but um, the political world doesn't work like the real world. <laughs> no, you can. You know, whenever I say I'm, I hear people and I haven't heard that this round, <laughs> I'm going to run it like a business. No, you're not. Yeah, no. And I get cranky because it can't be done. So, all right. And, and I'm not. I'm going to be very realistic, but also very firm in my uh, positions about what our priorities are. That sounds good. And and this is my first, my number one question in these candidate forums is why are you running? Because often the direction the candidate goes in is far more fascinating than how they answer the question. This is my second favorite question. Now, with Judd, I didn't have to say pretend you're a lawyer, but pretend you're a lawyer, John Lesh, and you are in front of the jury. And the jury is those fine, friendly Aurora voters. I'm going to give you two to three minutes and please finish up with where people can find you if they want to contribute, whatever. I'm going to give you two or three minutes to make your closing statement and convince the people of Aurora to vote for you. Go. Can I? Okay. Well, <laughs> I want to be accessible. So I'm going to start by giving my contact information. You can start early. that way. Go for it. <laughs> Cell phone is 630-878-7454-john4aurora.com. Uh, it's a people-powered campaign. Uh, we have 100% volunteer staff. And people very dedicated and a lot of volunteers coming out to knock on doors on the weekends because people, I think, not just in Aurora, but across the United States are hungry for real change, a voice that works for them, not for the rich people. And uh, I think that we have an incredible opportunity in our city to make the, the uh, city of, of lights be a beacon of hope for the nation. It's kind of been a tagline of mine. And I'm very forward thinking, very proactive. I'm looking at things like the climate crisis and making us a, a Green New Deal city. L.A. has already started, but I think Aurora can catch them. And I think it's the way we rebuild our economy and have uh, better paying jobs here in our city and uh, attract young people who want to live here, keep people who have gone through our schools, empower people that already live here and work here and empower those businesses that uh, want to be part of this exciting change. Not everybody is hungry for change. Um, most people shy away from change. 
And, and I'm actually on a personal level, one of those people, but <laughs> I found as, as an <laughs> introvert, trust me, I understand, but go ahead, John. <laughs> I, I found a way to um, implement cultural change in some of the organizations I'm part of. And a lot of it is just lead by example. That's my leadership style. So you'll see me front and center um, uh, rolling up my sleeves, you know, working on some of these hard issues like rebuilding trust between community and police and um, providing a level of accountability that, that the public is happy with and not shying away from uh, difficult political decisions. Um, you'll see me weighing cautiously all sides because that, that's also something that I think is necessary in a leader is to, to hear everybody. Um, even people that I disagree with try and incorporate uh, some of their views because I don't think that um, the bullying in politics and the division for a nation is bad. We need somebody who can bring us together. And uh, that is something that that I've done even, you know, in, in, in campaigns that are you, you've been part of them. They're sometimes controversial and, and internal fights in, in a campaign and trying to keep the ship all everybody in the boat rowing John in the same Lesh, direction is not easy, right? I have an 80% uh. campaign managing track record and I'm done, if that gives you any idea. <laughs> so. Well, you know what it's like. So <laughs> I that's, do. So it, 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 and it takes skill to do that. And it takes steady, consistent leadership, the ability to listen. Um, I, I bring some of those things to the table that I, I think um, have have put me in a position to win. And I think that's the, the last thing is voters are... Um, you know, voters who are looking at seeing new leadership in City Hall need to recognize that I've, I've run strong grassroots campaigns. I've come close in some very big fights, um, outspent 14 to 1 running for Congress and, and falling just short. And I do remember that, by the way. So, I've, I've followed yeah. that race quite closely. I think I was a columnist back then, but I was tasked with doing were. local stuff. Yeah. So, well, I mean, so, you know, hyper local stuff. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. no, it, that's yeah, I, don't, I don't think you covered that race too cutely, if, if I recall. But, you know, that, that I do have a, a track record as, as an aggressive uh, campaigner who who works hard. And that, that's the exact kind of way you're going to get that that somebody who's fighting for you to, to bring money into our community and achieve the goals that I've talked about today. So Sounds great. John Lesh, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule for to spend an hour with us. I know it's difficult at this point in time. I truly appreciate you taking the time to come on. Thank you. Appreciate your time, Jeff, and, and for having me on. And that, dear listeners, concludes part two of our candidate forum with John Leish. I want to thank him once again for spending a full hour with us and uh, letting us know what his thoughts are on uh, the city of Aurora. And I also want to point out that I know what the cynical thing to say is, eh, politicians are all alike, but they aren't. Trust me, I've covered them for so long, I know they're not. And if you listen to the Judd Lofty forum and this one, while there are some similarities, there are some serious differences too. So you have a real choice here, folks. I also want to be clear that my podcast partner invited Mayor Irvin on, and he has yet to respond to that invitation. And once again, if you are a 2021 consolidated election candidate and you want to put your viewpoint out to people that matter, reach out to us at the DOA podcast and we'll be happy to have you on. Of course, before we go, don't forget, you too can become a DOA patron by going to www.patreon.com slash DOA podcast. Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. We certainly hope you'll join up because we'd love to have you. The plan, of course, is to continue to bring you these kinds of insightful, entertaining, and thought-provoking podcasts. I'm going to thank John Lesh one more time. 
I'm going to thank you for listening because without you, there is no podcast. This has been the DOA podcast, Decisions, Opinions, and Analysis with Jeff Ward. And once again, I like to promise this, we will continue the conversation. Mm -hmm.